welcome everybody to our very first Beyond the Message podcast, where at the conclusion of each month as a church, we're going to look back at this past sermon series and how we can further apply it to our lives. So I'm here today with Pastor Nick and myself, Pastor Dave, and we're just super excited to dive into what it means to go through breakthrough in your relationship with Christ. So Nick, why don't you kind of refresh everybody with what we talked about in January? Yeah, uh, the first week of January, we kicked off this series, Breakthrough, and we talked about that nothing will change if nothing changes. And we were uh, sharing the story in Genesis 12 of Abraham and the promise that God gave him and uh, following that promise all the way to when the Israelites stepped into the promised land. And there were a number of times where uh, they tried to move forward in that promise and to see progress, but uh, until something changed, that nothing was going to change in their outcome. And so that's what we talked about week one, just talking about in this new year to see breakthrough, something has to change in our lives. Uh, The next week we talked about that breakthrough happens as we cherish the cross, that oftentimes we can kind of go in two different ends or directions. We'll go to the area where we feel condemnation uh, based on what we've done or what we do, or or maybe we can, um, on the other end of that, kind of uh, start to, minimize the impact or or start to kind of uh, neutralize what the cross is about. But Pastor Lance talked so well about the idea that we should find a place in the middle where we cherish the cross, where we recognize the value of the cross uh, and what we've done in our past. Uh, week three, we talked about that truth brings victory, deception brings defeat. And we were looking at the importance of not living our lives based on a distorted truth or twisted truth, but basing it on what God's word says, not allowing deception to drive our lives. And then, then the last week, we uh, finished out the series talking about that breakthrough happens when we live by our convictions, not our feelings. And that uh, emotions, feelings can be beneficial. They're part of our humanity, but they are not a good guide. Convictions are the right guide, and those convictions are informed uh, by God's word and our time in prayer. Wow, that's that's really powerful stuff. And I know uh, this final week we kind of culminated the time of worship with prayer at the front, and just really began to pray for that breakthrough in our lives. But not just us pastors, as staff, but for each congregant, each person that's listening to this podcast or watching online of seeing that breakthrough really truly in their lives. But that first week, you really talked about setting goals, right? And what that looks like in January is that very common time of year where you would talk about new resolutions and sometimes they're really extreme. Sometimes, you know, last year I didn't do them so well, so I'm just deciding I'm not going to do any. But you also mentioned that part of the reason why we fail to follow through with these goals that we set for ourselves and you were particular in saying goals, right? Not resolutions. Yeah. Yeah. And but you were also particular in saying that we need to pay attention to the path to follow through. So by the time March comes around, we're not forgetting what's going on. But what does it look like for us to actually pay attention to that path? Um, it's recognizing what's realistic and what's not. Um, what, what can happen with God's help and what cannot. Sometimes we set goals that are so far out there that uh, it's almost unachievable. Like we'll, we'll never reach it because it's not realistic. And one of the acronyms that I've followed with goals that is really helpful is um, making sure that they're um, SMART goals. And the acronym is SMART, that they're specific, that they're measurable, 
like they're agreed upon. So if you're involving someone else, if you have accountability in that area, maybe there's someone that's working out with you to help you lose weight or, or there's someone that's uh, holding you accountable to, to not dabble in pornography or, or an addiction that you struggle with, whatever the goal might be that it's agreed upon, there's accountability, that it's realistic and that it's time frame, so that you don't say, hey, at some point in my life, I wanna do this, but in the next three months or in the next 12 months, and having specific goals that are measurable, that are agreed upon and accountable, that are realistic and they're time-framed, help make that pathway more clear. And what we talked about that week specifically is recognizing your goals and how they line up with God's promises. That, that God has promises for us, things that he hopes to see happen in our lives. That he sees potential in each and every one of us. And, and if we can recognize the pathway that he has for us, we can see those goals, those things achieved. And for, for the Israelites, that example that we talked about that week, um, God had a promise. He had a, a goal for them, so to speak. And when they tried to follow their own pathway, they failed. It was when they followed God's pathway. And God's pathway uh, didn't seem realistic without God's help. Uh, they were going to walk across the Jordan River uh, in, in, in deep water, millions of people, like not realistic, but... It was God's path. And when we understand uh, that we're following God's path, sometimes it might not look realistic in the human sense, but it's realistic in the supernatural sense. So how do we know what's God's path versus my path? Yeah. And do they ever align? They they can't align. That's a good question. God's path, how we recognize God's path is it should line up with God's word, what we have in God's word. You know, God's not going to ask us to do something that runs contrary or contradicts his word. Um, and uh, for, for, for the example in the Israelites, God spoke to Joshua and he had recognized God's voice so clearly. It was a familiar voice to him that he knew when God spoke and he recognized that because it was familiar. Maybe for you, that's not a familiar thing. Bounce that off of men or women that you know are mature in their faith hey, this is what I'm feeling God's speaking to me, or this is the path I believe God has for me to, to, to see this promise, this goal achieved. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, allowing that to be bounced off of, of wise, godly counsel gives you a filter as well. So you have God's word and you have wise, godly counsel. So you, as an individual, begin to really understand that this is the plan that God has for me. And you know, you start off the year strong, just like we do with all the resolutions, whether it's to lose weight or to break a habit or whatever it is. And then a month in, maybe it's not even a month, things just seem to fall apart. You know, you, you kept talking about how nothing will change if nothing changes. But sometimes we feel like everything's coming against us and I can't help that other people are changing me back to what it is or I feel pressured to not move forward with the changes that I know God has for me. But what do I do when my life just completely seems to be stuck and moving back to where I was despite my good intentions to follow God's path? Yeah, I think sometimes uh, your environment can influence you in the wrong direction, recognizing the impact of your environment and maybe it's a change of environment, a change of circles that you uh, run in, um, that you find yourself in places that can spur you on toward growth, toward health, not toward reverting back. And, and Dave, like in your own life, you, you've over the last few years gone through a pretty radical transformation with your weight. Yeah. What were the things for you 
that helped you break that cycle? And for me, it was, it was truly learning and figuring out why I needed to lose weight or why I wanted to lose weight. Uh, for the listeners that are unaware or have met me since my weight loss, I've lost 100 pounds uh, through diet change and lifestyle changes. And a lot of it came down to, I knew I would be healthier, I knew the things that were going on, but that never motivated me until I was truly wondering and thinking about the future of my family. You know, it's just my wife and I for right now, but one day we wanna have kids, we wanna have that family, and I want to be there for my family as long as possible. And for me, it was really finding that out. And through that journey, even though I had one idea of motivation, I actually found more things that continue to motivate me. And I continue to actually see how God impacted my life differently as I was moving forward because God used and motivated me through the one thing that would motivate me and that continued to align myself with his will. And I could see that as I continued to really follow through with a lot of that. That's good. That's really and, good. And that's hard because when you go out to eat with friends, they're like, oh, well, you can eat this, right? Or you can't eat that. And it's more like a shameless versus a not shameless. Um, but that's not really what it's about. It's like you mentioned really looking at your circles and the people that you let influence into your life, right? But sometimes you almost feel like you have no choice as to who is in your circle. You revert back to them or maybe your circle is your family or maybe you're having an issue with your spouse or whatever it is and you have no way to really move past those circles. What would you recommend, Nick, for when I'm stuck in a circle? I think finding new circles, you might not be able to exit a circle or a group, like it might be at work or your family, like you mm -hmm. said, that you can't just quit your job or leave your family. Yeah. Um, but finding other influences in your life that, that spur you on toward good change and growth. Uh, that's why we have groups. Groups are an opportunity, not necessarily to find your best friend or anything like that. We couldn't make that kind of a guarantee, but to find yourself in relationships and in circles, in community, that helps you grow, helps you become more of what God wants you to be. It's not like you're spending 24-7 with these people. It's once a week, maybe yeah. once every other week. But what that does is provides another circle that's giving you a positive environment, a positive influence toward what God ultimately wants. Yeah, and as we continue through the month, we kind of started shifting the breakthrough towards our perception of truth. And one of the things I've appreciated about my group is the group that we're a part of is called Sharing Faith. And we've really been talking about all the different perceptions of the Bible and the questions that we're afraid people are going to ask us when we tell them that we believe in Jesus. And we want to invite them to have that same relationship that we do. But sometimes we can have a distorted view of truth, whether we realize it, whether we choose it, because we can choose that too, right? And whether we can recognize that but what do we do when we recognize or how do we recognize that we've allowed a distorted truth to actually impact my perception? One of the ways we see that happen is truth is constant. So like truth is a, a constant in our lives. When we see ourselves cycling back around to the same issues over and over and over again, um, what's happening is something's not clicking. We're living our lives based on a distorted truth. So we keep circling back around. An example might be like if you um, were in a, in a job and you were maybe not doing great at putting these spreadsheets together for a presentation. And every time you go into this meeting, everyone hates it and it falls short and, and it, the whole thing uh, uh, blows up and no one likes it. But no one will tell you it's because the spreadsheets are wrong. 
So you're living based on a distorted truth. You keep going to these meetings and you're wondering why, why doesn't anyone like the data I'm providing in this meeting? And it's because your spreadsheets are wrong, but no one wants to hurt your feelings, so they never tell you the spreadsheets are wrong. That kind of goes back to the circle thing, right? Yeah. You know, like when you have a good circle, they're not afraid to tell you the whole truth. Truth. And yes. sometimes the truth hurts. Stinks. It does. You never want to hear it. You know, but at the same time, you might even know it, but you reject the truth. Correct. So a distortion of the truth could actually be the rejection of it. And you, you'll you keep circling back around to the same problems because you're working off of a distorted truth. When you are working with a an, an actual truth, uh, the Bible says that the truth sets you free. So you're free from that. So whether that's something like an addiction, whether that's, you know, a, a, an issue you have with uh, bitterness or whether that's an issue you have with how you interact with others, wh whatever it might be, um, when you can see the truth, it will always set you free. And free mean to become what God wants you to be, what God created you to be, not being bound or, or, or chained by uh, a lack of truth or distortion of truth. Mm. What's, what's the dangers otherwise? So like if the truth sets you free, that means the lies, they, they essentially hold you prisoner, Yeah. right? And that prevents you from seeing that breakthrough. That prevents you from seeing all that God has in store for you because you're holding on to a lie. Because a distorted truth is not a truth at all. Yeah. It's, it is a lie. Yeah. And when you have that lie, that's all that's feeding me. That's all that's feeding my perception, my way that I hold a grudge against somebody, or the way I even perceive somebody. You know, for me, uh, I've got no hair. And if somebody doesn't like me for having no hair, there is nothing I can ever do about that again. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you know, if they don't like me because of a perception or a miscommunication or something, there's something that you can do, right? And by having that conversation, you can bring freedom into the relationship with somebody. And that's just yeah. one kind of yeah. concept of what that looks like. But what else does it look like for us to really step out and pursue what that truth is in our lives. Yeah, in my, uh, my Catalyst group, we actually talked about this topic the one week, and uh, we were talking about the idea that strongholds in our lives, things that barriers in our lives happen because we believe lies. Sometimes it's lies the enemy say about an experience, an event we've had in our life. Sometimes it's about a, 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 a relationship or a situation, and we believe these lies to step out is to recognize that what the enemy is telling us, the lie that maybe we've believed, isn't accurate, and to believe what God says about us, what God says about our situations or the events we've walked through, the painful moments we've walked through. That's where freedom comes. So when we experience freedom, it's when we recognize God's perspective is the right perspective. He's the one that made us, shaped us. The truth that he shares lines up with how we were made and created, and we will see that full potential realized. When we're living a lie, it, we're trapped and we're imprisoned because we're trying to live up to something that we weren't created for, something that's distorted, a distorted view of who we are. So experiencing breakthrough with truth is recognizing in our mind, our thoughts, and the things that we hold on to, the things that we believe, that they are true. Not that they feel true, but that they are true based on what God says about us and who we are. Mm, that's, that's really good. And part of who we are sometimes really drives us to be new things. You know, like if you go back to the days of elementary school, middle, high school, and everything else in between, when you kind of start a new school or a new grade, you often try to reinvent ourselves. And we kind of try to change our truth 
or at least how others kind of perceive our truth. And usually a lot of that's based off of feelings. And because I want to see a change, so maybe if I come out differently, people will forget who I was. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about first week of being stuck in our circles, being stuck in our habits, and how people just can sometimes drag us back to what we are and that feeling that brings with us. But sometimes there's also other things that we might see positive or negative, such as our passions and our emotions, as kind of like a driving factor in our, in our lives and who we are and the things that we do. But you also kind of talked about last week of those convictions and the differences between emotions and convictions. Because one is more reactionary versus one is a little different than that. Can you kind of expand what the differences are between emotions and convictions? Yeah, emotions are something that are, are uh, dictated or determined by your circumstances. In a circumstance, you have a certain emotional reaction. Convictions aren't based on your circumstances. They're based on what you know to be true, on, on I believe, Scripture. They're not always driven by Scripture. You can have convictions about things that aren't driven by Scripture, but, but emotions are... Uh, inconsistent convictions are consistent that's kind of a big differentiation so there are things moments when you react a certain way but you don't act upon those act those emotions because you have convictions so good example is if you had a teenage daughter and some guy treats her poorly and is a jerk to her and they go on a date and, and he's just a horrible jerk and and you're angry because that jerk just made your daughter cry and you're ticked off, you're mad, you wanna hurt this guy. You don't hurt the guy because you have convictions. Your emotions are saying hurt him, your convictions are saying I don't because that's wrong, I could get in jail, put in jail, I could be arrested, like I don't do that. So your emotions can tell you one thing, your convictions might tell you another. Convictions are consistent and stable, emotions are often in instable. So, cool, I've got my conviction, I know what really defines my line, and I know it's not based off of emotions, but so now that I've got my conviction, what do I do with it? Your convictions become a guide for your life. Um, they, they determine the things you do and don't do Can before. I, I want to pause you yeah. right there. You said convictions are a guide for my life. Yeah. And that's, I think that's an important distinction because you didn't say it's a guide for everybody's life. Mm -hmm. You're like, my convictions are my convictions. And the things that God has spoken to me about, if he is saying, hey, I know this is where I've said in the Bible that this is where your limits should be, but I'm going to ask a different conviction of you on top of that. You know, God won't ever remove a conviction that he's given us in the Bible, right? Correct. Correct. But at the same time, God can give me a conviction on top of that that he may never convict you of. Correct, yep. And same works for you. Yeah, Paul actually speaks about this in Romans. He talks about the idea that um, some people in the first century had a problem eating meat that had been sacrificed to, uh, to some of the pagan gods because they felt like, they felt conflicted. Hey, if I eat this meat, because what would happen is uh, animals would be sacrificed to these pagan gods in the morning and then in the afternoon that, that those animals would be butchered up and sold in the marketplace. Well, some early uh, church Christians had a struggle purchasing that meat and eating it because of how it was used previously. But others did not. They mm -hmm. felt, hey, it's meat. God gave us the meat. Let's cook the meat and eat the meat. It's wonderful. It's delicious. The end. And, and what Paul was addressing is both of those are convictions 
one isn't more right than the other. What you need to do is be true to your convictions, but also recognize that your convictions can affect another's convictions. So be aware of that. Don't cause another brother or sister in Christ to stumble. So convictions are yours. There are, you know, of course, overarching biblical convictions, like you said, Mm -hmm. but there are also personal convictions that are true to you. Um, You might have the conviction that every morning I need to pray and read God's word for an hour. And that's awesome. And I encourage you to do that. That doesn't necessarily mean that's everybody's conviction. Maybe someone else's conviction is I'm going to pray and read God's word in on my lunch break because I have three or four kids and I don't have time in the morning to do that or or because of circumstances in my life that's not realistic. You have to be true to what God speaks to you. Yeah, no, and that's that's very true because what's the dangers of me placing my convictions upon somebody else? You set a standard that that God isn't expecting you to meet. Yeah, and this is a, something we've been talking about in my Catalyst group of talking about how the way that we present God can almost show off a false God or not the God of the Bible, right? Because then we can put, portray God as somebody that's unique to me and your perception of God is very different and it's okay because then we actually create a different God. We're not worshiping the true God. And that's the dangers of when we convey our convictions in a way that we expect and require others to live of them that it changes their perspective of God in a way that really destroys their relationship with him because we're no longer living to serve him, but we're living to serve the God of my convictions when my convictions are not of God. That's good. That's that's, a good point. That's very, very dangerous. But on the same time, you know, we do get emotional, right? That is kind of the thing with being human. You know, we've got that throughout the entire Bible. You see that with like Moses, you know, Moses gets angry and what does he do? He kills a man and he still got utilized for incredible things with the power of God. But our emotions can be that kind of that great fuel, but a horrible guy. So what do I do when my emotions truly get the best of me? You know, maybe my wife and I are having just a really bad argument and we both get heated and we know we shouldn't be heated, but we are heated, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do when my emotions do get the best of me? In those moments, you have to be honest about it. I mean, really, this whole series we've talked about breakthrough, one of the overarching themes of breakthrough in your life is self-awareness. Being aware of who you are and what you've done and being able to own up to that. And when your emotions get the best of you, it's important, one, that you recognize that, and you probably do because, you know, you see the consequences of it, but then you're willing to go back and own up to it. And owning up to it is apologizing and sharing why your emotions got the best of you. Not that you're throwing grenades over the wall at your spouse or, or coworker or friend, but that you're owning up to what's going on inside of you, what, where the emotion is, 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 is uh, rooted in. And that emotion is rooted inside of you. It's not rooted in what others said to you or did to you. It's ultimately something that's inside of you. Um, and you have to own up to that. Uh, so emotions are really rooted in you, in your experience, your, your perception of your experience. Convictions are rooted in God's word and what God says to be true. And the, 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 the emotions, like I said before, are so inconsistent. But convictions, those are driven by our understanding of God's word. They're informed by God's word and, and time in prayer. And that's why it's so important to take that time to, to, to be intentional about, I need to be in God's word. I need to be spending time in prayer. Not to be legalistic or, 
or religious, so it's just like something I have to do. Like if you miss a day or a couple days, like it's not the end of the world, but that you're informing your convictions with the right information. And, you know, I think your example, you talked about Daniel. Uh, and Daniel had a lot of convictions in his day because, you know, they were in Babylon, they were in captivity, and they were kind of living under the rule of a king. They weren't kind of, they were living under the rule of somebody that truly did not have and hold the same values as they do. And some of you might feel like you can relate to that too. Maybe it's within your house or a community or something else where you're being held to a different standard that is contradictory to what you truly believe, right? But Daniel went through a lot of convictions. You touched on a few of them, but I think he also portrayed something that's very important in what we do with our convictions in a situation that causes us to have to say, do I hold true to my conviction or do I sacrifice my conviction for a different result? For continuity. Yes. That's really what we end up doing. We sacrifice our convictions for continuity because we don't want to offend someone or or frustrate someone or, or tick someone off. And that's all, that intention I think is good. Daniel was a great example where he's held to his convictions, but he didn't tick everybody off. He wasn't a jerk about it. You know, sometimes people are followers of Jesus. They're actually jerks in how they go about their convictions. And they throw them around like they're proud of them and they're going to beat everybody over the head with them. You can still be a nice person and hold to your convictions. Yeah. Recognizing your con you holding your convictions doesn't mean that you have to like, punch someone in the face with them. Daniel held to his convictions, but he was wise, smart, and nice about it. He, he didn't, in Daniel 1, when he you know, was, was uh, being told, hey, you need to eat the king's food, and he didn't feel like that was a conviction he could give in on, he wasn't a jerk to the king's official. He just said, here's an idea. Give us, give us 10 days to try our food, and then we'll see what happens. He gave an out to that man. He gave a time frame. It was 10 days. He wasn't a jerk about it. Later in Daniel 6, I talked about Daniel in the lion's den. He could have fought uh, the, the, the officials. He could have made a huge deal of it. But he was true to what God spoke to him. He was true to who God made him. He prayed in, in, in spite of the edict that King Darius issued. He prayed and he went with the consequences that followed. And God protected him and, and guarded him. And I, I think there's something massive that can get ignored when we look at things like convictions are because we, we talked about how convictions, how God can give me a conviction that he didn't give to anybody else. That's on top of what he says. And, you know, sometimes we get in American society and our culture, we can kind of just believe that the Bible is a book of rules and that the only sins there are are contained within the two leather covers or within the app or however you're reading your Bible. But the truth is, you know, Sin is anything that I do or don't do that is against the will of God. Yeah. And if God gave me a conviction, just like God gave Daniel a conviction yeah. that he didn't give to everybody else, if Daniel chose to ignore the conviction, Daniel would have stepped down a sin. Correct. And that's, that's an important thing, I think, for us is if we know that God is convicting me and giving me a conviction to live a certain way, and I sacrifice that conviction because I don't feel like being made fun of or being talked about or having this negative thing happen to me, that actually results in my sinning. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And that's, that's really important because sometimes we just say, oh, well, it's okay, God will forgive me, but we're using God as a crutch instead of using God as the reason for me to stay true to who he's asked me to be. And that gets back to the second week of the series. Pastor Lance talked about that, that 
those two ways are kind of two directions we run of condemnation or to compromise. Yeah. And and oftentimes that's what you're talking about. Oh, God will forgive me. You know, he talked about in Romans six how, um, you know, it says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Oh, God will forgive me. God will forgive me. It's okay. I'll just keep doing this. But but that's not being true yeah. to what God wants. And if you're really going to see breakthrough, like what we've been talking about this whole month, if you're really going to see change, transformation happen in your life, it's not going to happen by just. Uh, continuing to repeat the same things, believe the same lies, uh, continue doing the same uh, things to see change or, or attempts to see change, something has to change. You have to build your life on truth and that truth informs your convictions with, which gives you a pathway for transformation, for breakthrough that God desperately desires for you to actually happen in 2020, mm. not something that you hope and aspire to at the end of your life for decades to come, but that this could actually be a year where things turn around for you, where things actually change, the things that you've struggled with and battled with for so many years, that it could actually turn this year. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really good, you know, going back to that week with Lance preaching, you talked about how breakthrough happens as we cherish the cross, and cherishing the cross is kind of that key thing for who we are as Christians, right? And next month, we're diving into the series called Four. And why don't, for those who may be listening to the first time or caught this podcast in a different medium or way, why don't we share what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks as we enter into February? Yeah, in February, we're kicking off this series called Four. And uh, so often, Christians especially, the church has become more known for the things we're against. We are known throughout culture, throughout media, um, by these stereotypes that uh, have taken place. And whether those stereotypes are accurate or right or wrong isn't the case, isn't, isn't the, the argument I'm talking about. But, but we become known for the things we're against. And I believe it's time that uh, as followers of Jesus that we rise up and we start to broadcast and proclaim what we're for. And uh, so through the month of February, we're going to be talking about as a church what are we ultimately for? We're going to talk about that we are for you. We want to see you grow and become what God wants you to be. We want to be for you, to see you grow, to see you uh, fulfill your God-given potential. The next week, we're going to talk about that we are for us, that this isn't a, a solo deal. This isn't uh, uh, an isolated journey that we walk with Jesus, but that we do this collectively in community, in relationships. We are part of a bigger family of God, that, that we're for us, we're for community, we're for relationships, that, that we want to walk this journey together, that we pick each other up when we fall, and that we help each other when we're struggling, that we're for us. And then the next week, we're going to talk about we're for them, that as a church, we aren't just for those that are part of our church, that are like us, that talk like us, that think like us. We are for them, those that might be different than us, those outside the walls of our church, those that look different than us. We are for them. And Jesus came for them. He came for the, the broken, the, those that are far from him. Uh, he said this, that, that, that he came for the sick, not the well. He came for them. So we are for them. And then the last week, we're going to close out the series talking about we are for him. That Jesus made this statement that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added as well. We are here to seek his purposes, ultimately his kingdom, what he wants, that his way is always the best way. Wow, that sounds like it's going to be really good and really just continues to build on uh, the breakthrough that we've been building as a church, the faith journeys that we've been expanding on in our Catalyst groups. 
and so much more. So I'm super excited to be seeing and hearing the testimonies of how God moves through our church throughout February. And listeners, we hope that you're able to join us, whether it's in person or online throughout the week, as we continue to look at what it means to be for as a church. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Message podcast from Calvary Church. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this podcast. You can email us at btm at calvaryirwin.com. Also, be sure to share this podcast with your friends as we go beyond the message of what God has in store for you.